1: The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DBR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. And if you schedule a cleaning, x ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. stick around after our interview with julian valentin for some updates on cba negotiations between players and owners as well as the relief pitchers and catchers that should represent the rockies in a team hall of fame welcome into the dnvr rockies podcast brought to you by strava craft coffee Strava CBD coffee is infused with CBD and CBG. It's gonna have you feeling fantastic in the morning without those coffee jitters, if you want three or four cups a day. Helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that. Now get 25% off your first purchase when using code DNVR25 on stravacraftcoffee.com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today is a very special guest on a very special holiday because it's the second anniversary of Larry Walker's induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And when we couldn't get Larry Walker, I said, well, the next best person, if we're thinking about Hall of Fame people and Hall of Fame contributors to the Colorado Rockies franchise, I said, I got to get Julian Valentin. So here he is, folks. Julian, (laughs) thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me, dude. Um, I'm all fired up. The music had me bobbing my head. It's good to see your beautiful face and uh, reconnect a little bit. And to be honest, I was trying to figure out like why you randomly picked me until you said that. And now it kind of makes some sense that it's Larry's day. Um, although that's uh, obviously some really big shoes to fill. It is. And you've, you know, you've got the shirt
1: to to prove it. And actually, I'm a little disappointed you're not wearing the SpongeBob shirt today.
0: I have it upstairs in the closet, but uh, in my little bookshelf here, this quadrant is my Baseball Hall of Famer section, so we got Larry's bobblehead in honor of that, uh, Mariano Rivera baseball, and then a picture from Ichiro that signed when he uh, got his 3,000th hit at court, so got some cool stuff in the little bookshelf back there to remember my previous life.
1: There you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into all of that and more. Speaking of, of previous lives, for, for those who, who might not know the, the background of of Julian Valentin. It's, it's just as interesting as the, the Rockies days, those, those eras uh, at Coors Field, you know, because you were a very successful soccer player growing up in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And sorry to hear about your Eagles, uh, not doing so well here.
0: Hey, we were playing with house money in the playoffs. We'll take that. Nobody expected anything. So
1: that's true. Yeah. But you played for the youth national team, you know, went to school at, at Wake Forest and you won a national championship there. What's I mean, you, you've always been around athletes, and that's kind of a, been a common theme uh, that you're still doing to this day. You know, what, what was that like, that, that thing where going into your final year, you're building towards it, and you actually you know, reached the, the mecca. You reached the promised land of, of that championship.
0: Yeah, 2007 for me was a, was a pretty special year, and especially in Rockiesville in Colorado was also a pretty special year, although um, hopefully better years to come. But yeah, so I actually played in the Under-20 World Cup uh, that same year in Canada. We made it to the quarterfinals and played against some of the best players in the world and then went back to school, won the national championship at Wake. And it was just an incredible experience to be able to do that with, um, you know, the brothers, guys who you played with day in and day out. You kind of came up together and saw each other grow up in front of your very eyes. So, uh, you know, it was an incredible experience, something that I remember fondly, and uh, I'll always carry that with me.
1: Yeah, 2007, is, it was a year for a lot of, of championships, and there's a lot, a lot of iconic photographs in that, that run to Rocktober, and think of Todd Helton, we think of Matt Holiday in game 163, but you've got your own iconic photograph. For anyone who might be a little bit squeamish, you may look away. Uh, I, I found this photograph, and wow, you know, there is got to be a, a fantastic story behind it, and just, just get running. What am I looking at here, Julian?
0: So yeah, that was um, there was about eight minutes left in the national championship game. We're playing Ohio State, and um, we're up, we're winning. The game is kind of getting a little crazy. Um, at one point, a ball kind of gets uh, gets floated in the box, and I kind of clear it away. I actually jump to head it away, and the player from Ohio State comes in and, like karate kick style, just straight to the face. Um, you know, obviously got the cuts there. Uh, they had to be taken off the field because obviously you can't be bleeding. And I'm I'm sitting there on the sideline, like, get me in, get me in. And, you know, we're trying to kill off the game and get the victory. And, uh, you know, literally right as the blood stopped bleeding, they put this like powder in, in, in the, in the wounds, uh, the blood stopped. And and I grabbed the trophy right there is what you see and just started running around like crazy with my teammates. So um, that, that was the story in real time. The, um, the Colorado tie to that story is the player who kicked me was Roger Espinosa who is from Aurora, and obviously his his he had an incredible career in things, Premier League, playing for Reading and Kansas City. Um, so so he actually called me a couple of days later because we know a lot of mutual people in town here, and got my number and said, hey man, sorry for kicking you in the face, and um, you know so. And Roger's a great dude, and we we've kind of kept up a little bit when he comes back in town. So uh, it was just a cool experience, you know. I would take the plastic surgery that happened after any day to get that picture and get that trophy.
1: How many stitches are we talking about in in a photograph like
0: that? I would guess a hundred, but it's, it's just a
1: mess.
0: (laughs) This is one of those stories that like the real answer is probably like 15, but every time I tell the story, it becomes 30 and then 75. So let's just say I got 165 stitches uh, because that's way cooler than saying like 15.
1: All right. So you're adding 15 every single year. And so that works out. Yeah. It's a good but quality.
0: yeah, I, I, I had legitimate plastic surgery to revise the scars. Um, you know, I fixed the hair over the years. I'm a lot more corporate and professional and grown up now. But um, and actually, shout out Jamie Franks there on the right, kind of the profile view. He's the head coach at University of Denver men's soccer, and just um, you know, obviously one of my best friends and somebody that our families get together all the time. So this picture actually has a lot of Colorado ties to it these days.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned you know family because obviously you come from a big soccer family. Your brother Zarek, of course, with the Houston Dynamo. Uh, your your brother-in-law too, Tyler Kemp, you know yeah. is a, is a player. So like soccer is is just so massive here. Do you have a favorite club uh, that you that you pull for either an MLS or? In England, like the motherland, if you will.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a, a club that I pull for. I, I'm still in that mode where I, I know a lot of people playing. So I, I want my friends and, and former teammates to do well and be successful. Of course, I want my brother's team to be successful. And I think um, some of the things that they're doing in Houston now is definitely going to help them. And I definitely love watching the Rapids. Uh, you know, I know Robin Frazier a little bit, I know a lot of the people in that organization and, and what they're about. So um, you know, I'm more of a fan of the game and the players and, you know, the, the people that I know, as opposed to one specific club that I pull for.
1: Yeah. Rapids had a really great 2021 it's, it's promising for, for this next year. Uh, it'll, it'll definitely be exciting. I imagine you'll be at the, at Dick Sporting Goods Park when uh, the Dynamo come to town. You, you got to be at that game for sure.
0: Yep. We usually do. We usually do. Although when my brother was with Portland, they played that snow game a few years ago. And I, I was texting with him. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to this game. I'm just telling you right now. I'll watch from the comfort of my own house with my own white claw on the couch. And it would be a lot easier than bundling up in 25 layers.
1: Yeah, you're, you're drafted by the LA Galaxy and, and you play with the Tampa Rowdies. I bring up the Rowdies in particular because you know, we, we've seen what the, the crowds are like in Florida for baseball, but that's not exactly the case for all professional sports in Florida. There's a very passionate community down there uh, with Inner Miami CF, Orlando City FC, uh, as well as the Rowdies. What What are the crowds like? Why Why is soccer the sport that translates in Florida and not baseball so much?
0: Yeah, it, it's a tough one. I think you get some of the the people kind of coming in and out of Florida during you know the snowbird season or that kind of thing. Um, you know, I think soccer just is ingrained in the youth setup there. There's a lot of really good clubs and, and those those teams do a nice job of connecting with uh, the local organizations to get the, the kids out there and their families. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, there's also some really just good international cities with a lot of culture and flavor. So um, there's a lot of things that Florida has working in their favor. And, you know, with the Rowdy specifically, that club has has been around for a really long time in the old NASL days, like even before it became a USL club and um. So there's a lot of tradition and history with with that club, and um, you know when I was with the Rowdies, it was their first year coming back after a hiatus. So uh, it was a really cool experience to kind of be on that team and see the the built-in excitement that there was for the organization. And you know, being the captain of that team was a cool experience too, to kind of be out there in the face of the franchise and everything. So um, that's why. I mean, the, the Rowdies are a top-notch club, and you know they they play it uh, in Saint Petersburg now, but. When I was there, we were at the Yankee spring training facility in in Tampa. There, so um, yeah, Florida's a good place. I, I don't I don't feel like going back there. I don't think anytime soon, but um, I enjoyed my time there for sure. That humidity can definitely be be a drag. Can, Killer.
1: Can you believe the growth going going back to like 2007 and thinking about how MLS really first started to expand? Uh, in, in, in the amount of teams right around there after that 2006 World Cup in Germany, that's when I first started getting into MLS and, and absolutely adoring it. And it seems like the, the amount of teams has nearly doubled and it's still continuing. And the USL, that this, the second tier, is expanding. Can you, can you believe the amount of growth that soccer and MLS has had in this country so continuously over the last 20 years?
0: Yeah, I mean, short answer is, I can believe it. I mean, it was, this was always a place where soccer would thrive. It would be, um, you know, there's there so many great markets, so many people who play the game as a, as a, as a kid and they, they just had never grown up with it really until this current generation that we're seeing. So uh, now it's, it's really in a great place. I think MLS has done a fantastic job of being strategic with their markets. Um, they've they've done some really good stuff with their branding and how they're connecting with the communities. And, and they've grown really, really nicely over the last decade. So uh, I look back when I was in the league and what it is now and just the the quality of the play, quality of the players, the, the fan bases, uh, the investment from brands and um, companies that want to put their money and believe in soccer. It's been great to see. And, um, you know, by no means do I think that I, I played a part in that. But being somebody who, you know, played for, 17,000 bucks to keep the league alive and, you know, be a body to help my team. Uh, I'm proud of, proud of my time playing in the league and I'm excited for the future. Is this the part where I take over? What do you guys want to hear about? (laughs) All right, there we go. It's just me. So um, what do you guys want to talk about? (laughs) Let's go. um, Do you want to see my bookshelf? There's some cool stuff. We got, those are my wedding shoes right there. Are we back? I was just trying to kill time. I
1: like that. Yes. There we go. All
0: right. <laughs> I was talking about my these are these shoes I wore for my wedding. So, you know, it's it's kind of cheesy, but like we redid the office here recently, and I was like, I gotta have some like, you know, cool stuff in the background, and then I just, you know, put it all together. So I didn't know that the first time I would like explain it was when um was when the host of, of the show would go muted, but you know. Are those really team your team wedding team? shoes? They're so far behind you, they look like baby shoes. Nope, they're wedding shoes. Chuck T's, one of my buddies was uh, you remember Ed Hardy clothes? I, I do. Um one of my buddies was uh he was the designer for Ed Hardy. So I asked wow. him to make me like some custom shoes with um it has the lyrics to Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, because of course, and then uh has a little rose on it with the wedding date and stuff. So got some customs back there. Yeah, I guess when you you
1: know that there's those are bobbleheads next to it, you go, okay, no, those are those are normal size shoes. Yeah. It's the, it's the ratio that's that's throwing me off, but what isn't throwing me off is the vibe and the environment down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. You know that you get a bigger beer for all of our members if you do subscribe to the dnvr.com. Not only 50 cents for your first month annual membership, you do get a free t-shirt uh, at dnvrlocker.com. Again, the bigger beer on the corner of Colfax in York. You get the members only discord where you have Direct communication with all the other members, hosts, and diehard fans like yourself. We've got awesome watch parties going on all throughout the year. Nuggets, ABS are really heating up as well as Rams and Buffs. Make sure you're checking that out at thednbr.com. Breckenridge Brewery is that official beer that we've got on tap. There are official seltzer, but let's show some love to it for the Winter Avalanche Ale. It's a classic American amber that blends pale chocolate and caramel malts, in a well-rounded, flavorful beer. Avalanche Ale has caramel malts that lend whispers of toffee sweetness with a touch of bittering hops that gives this beer such a clean finish. It's crafted for balance, so it's a versatile and satisfying anytime beer. That's Breckenridge Brewery's Avalanche Ale. And yeah, you know the holidays are over. You want to turn over a new leaf, but you might still be a little bit beat up, a little bit tired, that's why Light Shade Colorado's premier dispensary has got a solution for you, and it's Wana. No matter when you take them, Wana Optimal's fast, asleep gummies will leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. That over-the-counter stuff is going to knock you out with such powerful drugs that leave you in a fog, and you don't want that. Juana's carefully calibrated formula contains 10 milligrams of CBD and just a hint of THC that will get the eyelids feeling heavy in just about 5 to 15 minutes, and in zero minutes, you can order Wana Optimal's Fast asleep Sleep Gummies at LightShade.com and get 25% off with code DNVR. Use code DNVR at any of LightShade's 10 Denver metro area locations. Julian, let's get to the Rockies business. That's that's how you are famous in this region. No oh. photographs, no stitches, none of that stuff. Man, you, you had a 10-year run, and uh, a lot of people still wish it was going on because you – elevated the the brand of at rockies you were the brand manager that that comes with a lot of weight doesn't it
0: yeah, it was it was an awesome experience uh you know i'm I'm always going to be grateful to the rockies for believing in me and taking a chance on me and i'm really proud of the work that that we did over the course of a decade plus but um everything is in good hands uh i'm excited about being a fan and, and watching from this side but very very fond memories for my time there
1: that's definitely something that's the the legacy of of Julian is that there's always good people coming in. you've worked with so many of them, kind of passed the torch down, and so you you set the bar high, and so they're definitely keeping that up there,
0: definitely you yeah, know it's like I said, it's fun to watch Aaron actually you know Aaron Hodges from the social team texts me she's like, "What what are you doing?" I was like, "I'm just gonna go on here and just rip you to shreds. Corey little's texting me right now, so um so many great friends that that are still there um. They are they're actually you know having a like a little happy hour for me and a couple other people so um uh, it's it's family, you know you always want to leave on good terms, and you know I left for for personal family reasons and because I have um you know somewhere else that I wanted to be and invest myself with with the company I'm at now, and I love what I'm doing so um you know it's it was just kind of time to move on after such a long ride but like i said i'm I'm really proud of the work that we did over over my time there
1: for so many people they live vicariously through the Rockies and they their experience of the Rockies is on Twitter in so many ways. And obviously, you know, helping run that account. But for you, you have actual real experiences of being there. Could you just off the top of your head run through the top 50 greatest memories that you have? Uh, Because I'm sure there's probably more than that. But what, what are the ones that come right off the top of like, man, I was there for this and I love this moment.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, the one that will always stick out was the wild card game at, at, um, at um, you know, against the Cubs, just the way that game went, the tension, um, you know, we were running back and forth from the, from the clubhouse to the, to the press box a few times because of the flow of the game, uh, that was, that was really incredible to be a part of, um, you know, Todd Helton's Jersey retirement. Was a really cool thing to be a part of, and and kind of driving the messaging surrounding that. The reason I'm here today, you know, by no means, and I zero percent of the credit for Larry Walker being in the Hall of Fame goes to the work that we did. Larry was a, a Hall of Famer, should have been in long before he was in. But um, just the way that the the online community in Colorado and outside of Colorado really rallied around that cause and being a part of that was was really cool. Um, you know, that that's ultimately what marketing is, right? It's it's trying to convince action from people who might not be doing something otherwise and to convince old curmudgeon writers who don't believe that uh, cores can have a hall of famer and then convincing them that they should give their vote to Larry Walker. Like that's, that's pretty cool stuff. So that was really cool to be a part of um, boy. I mean, just there's, there's so much that went into it, but I think when you take away all the specific moments, just the the relationships that I have and, and, and forged during my time there uh, obviously, with the front office and the people I work with day in and day out, but um, especially with the players and the coaches who are always so good to me and my family and uh, people that I'll keep in touch with forever. Uh, that was that was really cool. And, yeah, actually, one more thing. I'm, I'm rambling now. You know, I'm really proud of the work that we did during um, kind of the scariest and most unknown times in the COVID period, because, you know, nobody really knew what to do or say or what was going to happen and it was before the world just kind of spun out of control and everybody lost their damn minds with this stuff um, on both sides of the argument when it comes to that Um, and it was just like a really unifying force that we were able to provide and uh, whether it was like you know driving down to pueblo to get t-shirts to people to make masks or um, some of the things we did to activate the community or support small businesses Uh, we did that stay-at-home opener if you remember which was like the you know the best of opening day it was just a lot of really fun stuff, but things that really mattered, and um, I think provided uh, people with something that they um, could could believe in and make them happy in a really scary time. Yeah, you you absolutely had to be creative because normally there's 162 games
1: on, on the docket, and so that right there is is the content that you can use for days and days on end. But we, we didn't have that in, in March of, of 2020 and for several months to the season. So, yeah, I, I applaud all the work that you guys were able to do in, in, in creating that content, and giving people some um, positive distraction. Since you were with the Rockies for that decade, really up until the time Walker got in, you got to see him go from you a know, new guy on the ballot, you know maybe barely sticking around, barely getting a lot of notice, notoriety, and uh, not being a part of the conversation, like you said, saying, ah, but it's, it's the Rockies, it's Coors Field. So immediately, let's just forget this person. You got to see it from that stage all the way up to getting the, the 76% that he needed on, on January 21st, 2020. How, how amazing was that each and every year to go, all right, I've, I, my hope is building. And I, I don't want to be disappointed, but my hope is building.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. And when you look back at the voting totals, there were a couple of years, like the second or third year, where it was pretty low. And like, he was honestly like pretty close to falling off the ballot altogether. And then somewhere along the line, something kind of turned. It might've been, you know, Edgar Martinez kind of picking up steam in those, um, you know, the analytical discussions, taking more of a center stage. So uh, it was was something that we, in the off season, really looked forward to. I'm excited to see the club do the same with Todd, because I think he's going to have that same type of, building campaign that that's going to make sense in the future um but yeah i i just remember that day sitting in the office and um you know just being so excited warren miller um, longtime um, communications director who's just a dear friend and mentor of mine you know he was in the airport getting ready to go to new york not knowing if he was going to turn around and come back because we weren't sure if larry was going to make it um, so there was just, you know, I mentioned Corey earlier and Jill Campbell, of course, there were just so many people who played a key role in that at the Rockies, but, but in the community as well. So yeah, super cool to see it build. Uh, and just, uh, like I said, it shouldn't have taken that long, but if it did, it, if nothing else, the the climax at the end was even more exciting.
1: I think people might be somewhat surprised to know, maybe not, depending on how much they would pour over their Rockies magazine. But, you know, you help put that together as well, too. And that's this lasting you know monument or a lasting legacy where again on twitter that we know this stuff can live forever even if you delete a tweet uh it it will go (laughs) on and on (laughs) what what is that no no one does that uh but 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 the rockies magazine you know that that chronicles the history of the franchise and plenty of people will will subscribe to it and, and get the magazine monthly and keep it on their shelves and they'll go back and look through there were there any particular stories that you were you know I know you're proud of, of, of all the work that you did, but are there any, any pieces that were particularly fun to, to research or to work with uh, some of the various authors that have contributed to Rocky's magazine over the
0: years? Yeah, so I pulled this here. So this stack right here, that's all the magazines that i would worked on. So I don't know if how many are there. But, <laughs> wow. Um, the point you made is a really a really smart one because in today's digital world, so much of what we do is, you know, you produce something and um, it lives in an NFT or, you know, online somewhere, but there's just something cool and special and different about having a, a tangible hard product at the end of a cycle of hard work. So when we make the magazine, it would be like a full month of just like grinding away at it. You know, we produce it entirely in house, but um, I'm really proud to have those like books on the shelf there. So uh i I just i i was an english major in college i love writing i love storytelling um you know twitter and social media is kind of like little mini um you know structured writing pieces like every time you put something out there's a lot of science and art behind it and i don't think people always understand the you know really what it is to do social media it's it's easy to play on social media but to have a strategy behind it and to really be successful Is difficult and it's it's a learned skill, but there's also a lot of things that you have to have inherent inside of you to be successful. Um, So you know the 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 digital writing is one thing, but to be able to kind of let loose and write a you know 2,500 word feature and dive into storytelling is something that I've always loved and I'm glad to have that. Uh, Specific stories that come to mind uh, one of the one of the most recent one of my last stories for the Rockies was about Connor Joe. And, um, you know, I wrote it to, to tell his story about, you know, coming back from testicular cancer and also just his, um, you know, his heritage, you know, we did it surrounding, um, you know, some of the stuff that was going on to Asian Americans in our country. And he wanted to be an advocate for, um, you know, sharing his story and his pride and in his, his, um, his heritage. So I was really honored to tell his story and I was really happy with how that came out. Um, Boy, I'd have to go look back through there, but that that one comes to mind. Maybe it's because it's the most recent, but, you know, I I just, I loved, I love that. And, um, you know, I still do quite a bit of writing in in my job today and, and storytelling and hyping up athletes and talking about what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited to to dive into everything that you're you're doing at Open Doors. Do you need to tell people that over at Ball Aerospace and Technology, they're doing great things too. Their manufacturing plant Golden is hiring production technicians at twenty seven dollars an hour. You got potential increases at six twelve in eighteen months on the job. You get comprehensive insurance, act of the day of hire. 401K for retirement, stock purchase ownership program, and even potential for annual bonus. So many great benefits for working for an awesome company like Ball. All you got to do is text GOLDEN to 77222 to get linked to their open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. You can take your hard-earned paycheck over to Chevalier Mortgage because they're going to help you with their home expertise and support. Their ultimate goal at Chevalier Mortgage is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. We're getting into that season Believe it or not, winter, we're still in the thick of it. But you know what? Now's the time to start thinking and planning your next move. Chevalier Mortgage strives to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity. They always put you, the borrower, first. Even if you already own a home, keep in mind with prices going up, there's natural equity in your home. So if you've got mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that and make the bubble work for you. We've got a fun perk right now for dnvr listeners just visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free dnvr shirt or hat of your choice when you do most importantly you want to get set up with a free that's right free consultation to discuss all your options with virginia go to dnvrmortgage.com or call her directly at 303-257-6578 michael chevalier nmls number 1931006 Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number
0: 1910631. Well, Julian, you- Dude, you're crushing the reeds. Man, I would stumble on those reeds like crazy, and you're just flowing, baby. Those are I, awesome too.
1: The trick is you get it tattooed on the inside of your eyelid, so it really looks seamless.
0: That's the
1: way to do it. It's a little insider tip.
0: Hey, can I um, can I address this? Uh, Josh Larson had a question. First of all, I'm, I'm pumped that like, somebody other than my mom is is on this, so that's cool. Um, yeah, the percentage of lockout gets resolved. That is not my thing, but that's, you know, along with Larry, I'm pretty sure that I'm only here because there's no like actual news to be reporting on. So
1: not true. Not true, but go ahead.
0: No, that's it. That's, that's all I wanted to say. Just shout out Josh for listening. Shout out my mom. Who's probably listening. And, um, yeah, Corey, I know is listening too.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think he's just spying on me. He's just making sure yeah, I don't say anything slander. Yeah, Corey.
0: No, nope. you can say whatever you want. I'll I'll fight Corey if we need
1: to. <laughs> Josh, there's a hundred percent chance it gets resolved. Does it get resolved in time where maybe we don't miss uh, miss out on, on opening day? You know, that remains to be seen. We may lose a couple spring training games, but ultimately, look, everybody loses players and ownership if you know we, we have to happen to miss out on games or we miss out on, you know, substantial period of time. So uh, no one really, really wants that to, to happen. What awesome. they do want. Is is to know about your some of your inside experience. You work so close with the players. Like there might not be those always those big events, you know, Helton's retirement, you know, Walker getting into the Hall of Fame, you know, the 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 run to to Rocktober in in 17 and 18, the big win at Wrigley, but it's those day-to-day moments working with players who you know, maybe just who's the funniest guy, or or who do you enjoy being around the most that when you knew, okay, let's see who's on the schedule today. I got so-and-so. This is going to be a good day. This is going yeah. to be a good
0: day. Yeah, that, that I'm always asked, like, who are my favorite players to work with? And uh, I've got a long list just because I've I'd, I'd been there for a while. And and honestly, like, the Rockies have so many, like, quality individuals, good dudes, uh, that that it is really hard to pick. But, I mean, at the top of the list for me has to be Charlie Blackman. You know, he kind of came up at the same time as I did. And, you know, we worked together for a really long time. And just, you know, it's always weird because when you work on – uh, the team side in a communications or or content type of role like you're not a, a friend necessarily but it's important to have really strong relationships so i was was proud of the 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 way i kind of balanced that um you know gaining the trust being able to do good work for the club and for the fans you know without you know crossing that line so you know charlie comes to mind in terms of favorites um you know scott oberg dj um, you know nolan 's like a you know brother that you argue with sometimes, but at the end of the day you, you hug it out and that kind of stuff um boy i i 'm going to forget so many people so i 'll probably stop there you know, John Gray, but yeah funniest person was your question, yeah, gotta be para you know para just had a way to um he just everybody gravitated toward para and he was just such an important part of those teams, um even if he wasn 't playing, he just had the right attitude, he came in, brought people together the fact that he was bilingual was huge for kind of connecting all the different sides of the clubhouse. And I think, you know, with the nationals that that proved to be um, a huge differentiating factor for them with that world series run.
1: And everything about him is like you said, positive and fun and free spirited all the way down to his, his transportation to get to the ballpark. He he'd had his own little scooter that he would come in on and, and run over people's feet. And it was
0: great. He, was he right.
1: definitely, you're right. Was, was that linchpin in, in the clubhouse. To help keep things loose what about smart oh,
0: yeah. shout out cargo man you got me I'll, I'll probably put out a list or something just because i'm yeah you got somebody
1: yeah well well look because you you technically have some hosting experience here well we'll get you set up and, and you'll just have an hour of just going through your own memories on your time and your favorite players
0: no 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 that'd be a little self-indulgent it's always about <laughs> the players it's you know it's it's you know social digital is weird because like, ultimately, you're a behind-the-scenes person, and, you know, your job is to tell stories for the organization and for the players, but um, there's also some sense of, you know, recognition that there is a human being behind the account, so it's a weird, it's a weird balance that, um, you know, you really have to to walk their fine line, and um, I always felt like I did a pretty good job of that, and, um, but yeah, it's not about you, it's not, it's not the, the at Rocky show, it's, it's the, the team, and it's about the players, so. I always try to keep that in mind. We had a recent guest on here, Manny Randau of
1: MLB.com, who said some very controversial things. And so I've got to put it on you now. How do you spell tacos? This is, this is your moment. How do you spell tacos, Julian? Go ahead.
0: There's an apostrophe in there for sure. Okay, good. T-A-C-O apostrophe S. Thank you for setting the record straight. We do appreciate that. Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> All right, let's get to what you're doing these days. You're still working with athletes. You're the the head of brand and athlete marketing of Open Doors. Tell people a little bit about you know what that is. I mean, granted, you work with uh, over fifty thousand plus athletes, two thousand organizations, sports agents. You know, your company has a reach of over two billion in followers for your athletes. So you're doing huge things. For anyone who doesn't know about Open Doors. Uh, please let them know what what you're doing these days.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you were to put open doors in a, in a a compact box about what we do is, you know, we essentially help athletes build and monetize their NIL value. And when you think about the NIL space right now, which is um, it's been around forever, but it's new to college sports. uh, It's essentially athletes being able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, meaning do endorsement deals um, and, and just be able to make some money on the side for, for who they are. But you know, we have solutions for education. We have solutions for compliance, which is, of course, a critical part of this. We have solutions for content, and then most importantly, we have uh, you know the best marketplace in the industry. So that brands like um, you know the DNV Bar or Breckenridge Brewery, if it's legal in your state, you know you can do uh, deals with college athletes now through our through our platform.
1: Yeah, we've we've got our deals with uh, David Roddy of of CSU. Uh, we the McBride brothers also at CSU, uh, the Hammer, uh, Nate up there at, at CU Boulder. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're getting in on that action. And, and yeah, like you said, you guys are on the, the cutting edge of this because I know just in the, the past year, I think in June, you guys had uh, announced a partnership with, with Twitter to allow student athletes to monetize their, their videos as well
0: yeah, it's it's an exciting time. I mean, just the reality is there's been a hundred marketplaces pop up in the last sixteen months. There's been all these companies trying to be opportunistic and you know find a way to to get um, to get in this space. But what I love about open doors and and you know why I'm here is that we've been doing this for a decade, um, you know, different parts of this industry. so, um, you know, the track record is there. Our staff is amazing. Um, I love the people I work with. And I, I believe in the work that we're doing, you know, specifically being a former athlete myself, um, you know, having perspectives that can help, uh, you know, grow our brand and and connect with athletes and create some credibility toward what we're doing. And again, instead of one you know, one of these companies that are just trying to get in on the conversation. So I love it. I love what I'm doing. I, I you know, this is my home office. So the flexibility and the, and the, You know the personal nature of of what it's been able to provide for my family has been fantastic, and I'm just excited to be a part of this uh, part of this movement and being able to have athletes, um, you know, monetize what they always should have been able to. So you can either work from home
1: or uh, have a four-hour round trip to Nebraska. Were those the options?
0: (laughs) No, it's it's um, it's nice to be able to to have the home office for sure. But I, I like Lincoln. Lincoln's a cool little college town, and go there a couple times a year and um you know visit our partners and um you know some of the athletes that we serve around the country I enjoy doing that as well.
1: Yeah as you said you guys have been around for for a long time you're not new to the game just trying to cash in on it. And the, and the proof is in some of the the things you guys have on your website like there's there's a blog where there's a lot of really helpful things for young people who might not even be in college yet. They they maybe are working on their brand as high schoolers. We have a lot of young people, you know Liam is is a member that we have a at uh, DNVR. We'll give uh, Liam a nice little shout out and, you know, helpful articles yep. like what is an NIL contract? Six things to watch for. So you've got the, that going on on opendoors.com. And, you know, the four tenants that you guys provide for your athletes, the one I love the most is the the protection piece, right? Is yep. open doors monitor because yeah, there's, you, you might want to cash in on it and, and know your value, but there's also, you need to protect yourself both, you know, financially, your image, as well as just the physical aspect of being an athlete.
0: Well, absolutely. And there's a lot of rules and compliance associated with this right now um, and always moving forward. Like if you want to do it right and stay on the field and, um, you know, there, there's a lot of rules and keeping your compliance office in order, uh, you know, making sure they know what's happening. Uh, you know, NCAA has, um, you know, they've been a little laissez-faire in terms of um, their regulations, but they have some key things that, that are required, which is no pay for play, uh, no recruiting inducements. So, so there, there's a you know specific set of rules that have to be followed. And um, you know, we have solutions to make sure that athletes are staying safe as they go into this new world. And
1: correct me if I'm wrong, people can, can go ahead. Young student athletes can go ahead and, and sign up and, and get some more information on your site about, you know, the, the different things that you guys are, are providing at opendoors.com. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Athletes sign up, see what's out there for you. And on the brand side as well, Um, You know, it works both ways. It's it is truly a marketplace where we're just trying to get get some connections going so that athletes can connect with brands that want to work with them. So, yep, absolutely. Um, Athletes go on, set up a profile, uh, put your information out there and, um, you know, there's we also have an opportunities function where brands will build an offer and athletes can apply for that and then the brand then can review and then choose who they'd like to work with for a deal. So there's uh, several different functions and ways that um, people can get involved in the NAL space. And um, it's just crazy because like the whole generation before it was like, you know, do not, do not take money, do not do anything, you'll jeopardize your eligibility. And then on July 1st, a a light switch flipped. And then all of a sudden, it's not only permitted, but encouraged. And it's a it's a huge benefit and opportunity for schools who are forward thinking and, and, uh, are willing to invest in and do this the right way. So, yep, it's for everybody, you know, open doors exist for athletes and, and, um, you know, that's, that's what we're all about. Was that
1: frustrating when, when you were a player that, that idea that, you know, you, you know what NCAA is, is doing and, you know, it's, it's a delicate balance, but like you said, uh, it was very black and white where you had to be very careful and, and and very cautious. And, and now it's obviously it's different in that way, but, but how frustrating was that, that period of, of time, the dark ages, if you will.
0: It was, you know, I wouldn't say it was frustrating for me, but I look at what opportunities are available now for student athletes compared to when I was in school 15 years ago. And I would have loved doing this, Um, you know, whether it's, you know, working with somebody like you guys, because I was always interested in media and production Um, or or just aligning myself with brands that that fit with who I am and and the image that I wanted to have Um, you know everybody can be an entrepreneur and they're able to to make their own um, decisions and ability to um, you know just just take control of their own lives so it's not something that I ever really thought about uh, in that moment but now looking back with a little bit more perspective it definitely would have been cool. And what's one
1: quick little takeaway that for, for student athletes that are out there, again, whether they're, they're in high school or even in middle school, and they're just looking ahead because they know that they have you know, athletics in their future. What's something that they can do to, to really help themselves at least now before they, they take that next leap?
0: In terms of athletics or, or just from a brand building perspective?
1: Either one. Either one, because obviously the, you have to be able to do it successfully in order to have those opportunities uh, financially with NIL.
0: Right. I would say first and foremost, you know, focus on your sport, your craft, um, you know, that that's what is really going to set you apart. But, um, you know, and give you those opportunities. But what's going to set you apart is is your personality, the things that you're interested in. Um, and, and I would say that, like, social media is your resume, uh, whether it's like an actual business setting and you're applying for jobs and people will. First thing they'll do is they'll look at your Instagram account or your Twitter account or find you on TikTok. Uh, so make sure that everything you put out there publicly is is exactly how you want to be portrayed and how you want to um, you know present yourself as a human being. So um, just being mindful of that because I think a lot of you know you mentioned high school athletes they don't necessarily think about social media in that way. It's um, I'm making fun videos or I'm talking to my friends or whatever the case may be. But um, it really is important to think bigger about what your social media platforms are and what they can can do for you. So. Um, you know, it, to put it very quickly, like, that's how I would say, but, you know, we've got a lot of um, more in-depth educational effort, um, you know, offerings that, that get into that a little bit more, but that would be the first thing I'd say is just be thoughtful of that. Julian, thank you so much for your time.
1: I, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and everyone uh, has been enjoying seeing you again. Uh, they miss seeing you down at the, at the ballpark. You have to let people know when, when, when you're coming to a game at Coors Field, bring some cupcakes and cookies and there you go you know, spread the love and, and, and take one final second to, uh, to throw a jab at our friend, Corey Little.
0: <laughs> no, no jabs at Corey. Corey He's, uh, the best. he's a special person and uh, awesome. glad to call him a friend. He is. Yeah.
1: Same. He's, you know, he's, he's great. This has been fantastic. Uh, again, opendoors.com. Make sure you're going over there to check that out, to learn a little bit more about NILs and everything that Julian is doing these days. You can follow him at Julian Valentin, exactly as it's spelled. So awesome for Julian to have taken some time out of his busy schedule to meet with us Rockies fans that loved everything that he was able to do for the organization and and do on Twitter and just create such amazing content from the magazine itself to Twitter to social media. just, Just absolutely fantastic. Great guy. love to see where he's going to be headed here in the next five to 10 years. Definitely a rising star here in Denver. And if we're going to look to the sky for some hopes, like some rising stars, well, we might have to have some possible hope here between the players and the owners as they did meet on Monday, the first in-person meeting in New York City between the two sides. They're actually going to meet again, I believe, on Tuesday. So that's very promising that they're really starting to get to work here now that spring training is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers typically report – right around February 14th, 15th. So they're really starting to crack down what you like to see. Now, the players in their proposal, they dropped the concept of having earlier free agency. They decided to pull that off the table and have somewhat of a concession and say, okay, owners, we will not fight you on that. So free agency will still be after six years of service time. If you remember one of the things that they were banging the table over for a little bit was this idea that some players, some, not all, would reach free agency at 29 and a half or 30 and a half years old. So that, hey, look, if they're kept down in the minors for a while, or if they're used as part-time players, if you will, that really, they won't become free agents until their early 30s. And that's obviously very challenging if you're somewhat more of a late bloomer or if you're a player of of Aaron Judge's ilk who really doesn't get an opportunity in the majors until about 25, 26 years old. Players also made a concession about revenue sharing. That was a big one where we know that players right now are making less than they have in the past, probably about 42, 43 percent of money that's coming into major league baseball, as far as we know, of course. And so they've kind of stepped away from that one, which really only leaves the idea of younger players getting paid sooner, reaching arbitration a year or so earlier so that they're not making the league minimum for those first three years of service time. And again, it's service time because players from going back and forth into the minors, they may not even get to arbitration until they've been with a team or teams for parts of five years. And so that's not necessarily something that owners are manipulating, but it is a disadvantage that a lot of players do have. And so the owners have even mentioned, you know what, they're they're threatening to lose games because it's that serious of an issue that's not a great look. It will be interesting. players coming out, using social media to comment on that. I think you understand probably if you look at the numbers and you say, well, if teams make about a million dollars for every home game and there's 15 games per day, well, over the course of a week, that's $105 million that's lost by all of Major League Baseball for missing out on a week. And again, they don't want that to happen. But even if you extrapolate that, Over the course of a month, that's about $15 million each team would lose by not having games. But could they gain more than $15 million by getting what they want here in tamping down salaries and making sure that the soft salary cap doesn't go up any higher? Again, these are owners that they don't count 10s and 20s. They're counting hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time. They're counting, frankly, bills that don't exist. <laughs> we know not anymore. There used to be a $1,000 bill at, at one point. Not sure how many people actually own that before that was taken out of circulation. So, players and owners, they've got to come together. But really, the owners, they're playing chess. They're playing chess here. And hopefully, we don't suffer because of that. But I like that they're getting in the room together with one another. That's positive. I'm going to look at that for right now and and feeling really good that my original prediction right around the first of the year was March 14th is when this thing would get settled. I really think the owners are going to be the ones who push it and the players are going to want that are going to be the ones that get punished for it because they're going to have a shorter spring training and they're just gonna have to deal with it. And that's very unfortunate, but I think the owners will have that to their advantage Already, it does feel like they might be able to come to some kind of agreement earlier than that. So that's fantastic. All right, getting to our final day of Rockies Team Hall of Fame. Again, give us, give us the Rockies ring. Give us the purple jackets for players to wear. Give us plaques inside of McGregor Square. It doesn't matter. It's just something that needs to happen to remember the history of this great franchise. The history of the Rockies shouldn't just be, hey, look, there's a team here. They play at Coors Field. It's a beautiful stadium. That's part of the history, but that's not all of the history. And so it needs to be represented. Go back and listen to those episodes where we talk about the starting pitchers with Sam Bradfield, the infielders with Noah Yingling, as well as Monday's edition where I go through all the great outfielders that they've had. And again, you can do this very creatively. It doesn't just have to be players that were incredibly talented with the Rockies because there's a wide range of the great players, the Larry Walkers, the Matt Hollidays, Carlos Gonzalez, to those players who, you know what, they weren't here very long, but when they were, they contributed, and they were very beloved. Juan Pierre, Ryan Spielborgs, players of that ilk. So today we'll get to the relief pitchers and catchers. You know, I was a little bit stunned when I dug through some information on catchers. Now, a lot of this stuff, you know, sure, I could probably do it off the top of my head, but I might miss a guy here or there. And I want this to be thorough. I I sort of treated this as if I was the curator in some kind of museum, and I was putting together the official list of players that might be a part of a Rockies Team Hall of Fame. So I didn't want to miss out on anybody. But I was shocked to realize There have only been 47 catchers in team history. I'm going to now like double-check again because it still doesn't seem fathomable that in 29 seasons, this will actually be the Rockies' 30th season here in 2022. There have only been 47 catchers. But if you only really use three to maybe four catchers every year and you keep a catcher around for three years, some much longer than that, I, I guess that makes sense. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But I I only turned up 47 in my research. And no, I did not count Nafi Perez for his one game or his one inning or his two pitches that he lasted behind the plate. But 47 catchers. And the first two, I think that comes to mind for a lot of people. Number one being Chris Iannetta, obviously, with having played the most games, the most Innings behind the plate, most home runs. You know, he represents the team really well. Was was there a part of that 07-09 team, if you will, and and was there again in 2018. So that's kind of rarefied air to be a part of three postseason teams when the Rockies have only been to five. Right after that, your Tori Alba, a guy who is fourth on the list for most games played, but he was the guy. He was the leader in that clubhouse, the leader of the pitching staff in 2007 to go to that World Series caught every single game. And so if you need to have two front and center, those would have to be the top two guys. Honorable mentions, again, William Rosario did big things, most home runs as a catcher in a single season. Charles Johnson, only two years, but still made some impact. Joe Girardi Let's not forget Joe Girardi, 304 games. I think fifth most games all time. The opening day catcher, the first guy to do it for the Rockies. And then Jeff Reed, another player with a lot of games. And two interesting names that are, that are debatable. And again, how deep are you going on the all-time greatest Rockies catchers? Again, greatness. How are you going to define that? Is, is it your greatness contributing to the team or being a member of the team? Or is it just statistical? But two really interesting names are, and and you might laugh at one, and the other one you'll go, okay, you can make the case. But I think you can make the case for both, first being Miguel Olivo. Now, he wasn't in Colorado for very long. One season in 2010, played 112 games. And I think that might be the most games in a single season for a catcher. But But his contributions, he was behind the plate. He was there. Alongside Bob Apodaca, the pitching coach, that helped orchestrate Ubaldo Jimenez's no-hitter against Atlanta in 2010, and so for that that contribution, again, we have to celebrate those big moments. And so Ubaldo's no-no would not be possible without pitching coach Bob Apodaca. He's got a birthday coming up soon, and Miguel Olivo. So eventually, you'd like to see him in. And then I mentioned. Number one most games played all time, Chris Iannetta. I mentioned number two, Willin Rosario. I mentioned number four, Yorvi Alba. Who's number three? Who has the third most games played at catcher for the Colorado Rockies? Yes. It's Tony Walters, the greatest mustache ever for Colorado Rockies catcher. He's tied for second most in team history behind Chris Iannetta for most hit by pitches. And I think, I mean, come on. If you get by a pitch 17 times and you're number two all time for catchers, That should put you in. But this is really, this really might be even more shocking. You go third most all time. Well, I guess so. Also has the fifth most RBI of any catcher. Very interesting stuff. Now, the relievers, again, the Rockies have had probably a lot more than you might realize. Again, ranging from players who did contribute a lot and were in the purple pinstripes for a while, all the way down to players who. We're really around for a short amount of time, maybe had a lot of success one year, not so much the next, but it's it's a pretty deep list. I think the greatest reliever in Rocky's history all time has to be Brian Fuentes. He's tops in strikeouts, tops in saves. Also, All-Star Game appearances, the only one to uh, have an All-Star Game appearance. No, that's not true. Uh, Greg Holland did. He's the only other uh, reliever to make an All-Star Game 2017, but three all-star game appearances for Brian Fuentes also had a fourth when he was with the Angels but the best ERA plus in 144 and best ERA in 3.38 he goes down he's number one and then right behind him a guy who really almost gets overlooked in many ways and has very similar numbers he's number two right behind Brian Fuentes just about everywhere Steve Reed guy who did come back With the Rockies and and, in different stints, he was there in the early days pre-Humidor. So, man, he is a a guy that resoundedly gets overlooked in so many ways and really should be brought back because of his ability to pitch at altitude. Same thing with Fuentes, but uh, most games played as a reliever for Steve Reed. Not to be confused with the catcher, Jeff Reed. Uh, Most innings and most wins, 33 as a reliever. 140 ERA plus, again, behind Fuentes, 3.63. ERA. And then from there, you have the next tier of guys that may have been frustrating at times, but, you know, contributed a lot. Houston Street, 35 saves in 2009, there leading from the back end of the bullpen in that postseason run, was there for three seasons, had 84 saves, 3.50 ERA. He's coming up pretty soon on the actual Hall of Fame ballot. I think it might even be next year. Raphael Betancourt was around from ages 34 through 40, though he didn't play in his age 39 season. That's pretty remarkable and was great. 3.53 ERA, didn't get to rack up a ton of saves, was mainly used uh, as a high-leverage guy late in games, did finally have a 30-save season in there. And then Adam Adovino, 1.36 ERA plus, 3.41 ERA, seven seasons with the Rockies, 9.3 wins above replacement. And a guy who, oh yeah, he's a free agent and you still might need two or three more veteran guys to bring in. Do you want to pay Michael Givens three years, $27 million to come in as the closer or to pitch in high leverage situations in the eighth inning? You could, but is that going to end up like McGee and Shaw and Wade Davis? Not sure, but Adam Adovino, you could surely get on a nice little two years, $10 million. Might even be less than that, because he's been quite erratic since he's left Colorado. And then finally, we got five guys for honorable mentions. Again, did it more on the shorter period of time, but Greg Holland, 2017 All-Star Game participant, Wade Davis, but only for that 2018 season, with his 43 saves, most in a single season. Sean Chacon, a guy who's from right here in Colorado, went to Central High in Greeley, was an all-star, made the all-star game as a starter, and then, oddly enough, saved 35 games immediately the next year. So you think of him probably more as a starter than you do as a closer, but hey, we'll, we'll find a spot for you here, Sean. Jose Jimenez, who is number two for most career saves with the Rockies. Did have the franchise record for saves. He had 41 in 2002, and that lasted actually for 15 years until Holland tied him with 41 saves in 17, and then Davis got the 43 in 2018. And then last but not least, a guy that you know I think a lot of people feel very fondly about, even though the numbers might not suggest he was an absolutely dominant closer, but Manny Corpus, who was absolutely dominant in 2007 down the stretch. Not bad for a rookie. Was with Colorado for parts of six seasons. 4.01 ERA, 4.7 wins above replacement. Again, for Rockies reliever. That's pretty good. And, you know, there are those of you out there that probably pulled your hair out and maybe went gray a little prematurely during some of those down years that he had after 2007. But do you really remember that? Or do you remember the excitement that you got? when he came in the game during Rocktober. That's that's what we remember, right? And and yeah, I don't know if if we'll remember Wade Davis for those 43 saves in 2018 more than anything over time. Maybe, maybe not. But Manny Corpus, we think of 2007. And for that reason, he's got to be a part of the Rockies Team Hall of Fame. Please, if you've been enjoying the series, let me know how you felt. Who did I miss, if anybody or what's one way that this needs to really be reconsidered in a sense and how can this be packaged because this is something that you guys deserve out there we all deserve it the Rockies organization deserves it and these players deserve it and this is something that needs to happen and I'm not really sure what the next step is there but my eyes and ears are wide open because I I want this to happen and I, and I think it's a legitimate request to Make this go down, especially if you're a season ticket holder. You've got direct access to Dick Monfort. Let him know that a team hall of fame must happen here in the next few years. So let me know how I did. Email me, Patrick at the DNVR.com. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. And of course, all of our great Rockies content, thanks to the great social media team that we've assembled at DNVR Sports. You can follow us there at DNVR underscore. Rockies, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, keep your eyes peeled for a special Hall of Fame show going down sometime in the evening. Could be about five o'clock Mountain Standard Time. As we talk about any of the new inductees in the Baseball Hall of Fame, will David Ortiz be there? What's Todd Helton's final number going to be? It's going to be a great show. Have a lot of guests. It's going to be a, an amazing roundtable three other folks besides myself if you're tired of hearing me talk well we got three other options for you tomorrow as we break down the class of 2022 on a live show over there on twitter and if you want to see what julian is all about and see his home as he's showing off his his collection and his bobbleheads and those rockies magazines go over to the dnvr youtube channel where you can see all of that. Same thing with the conversation with Manny Randawa last week, all of Drew Goodman's shows are over there. Get a look at a lay of the land of what we're doing over there at DNVR sports, especially the goaties. That's been absolutely fantastic. I will tell you a couple segments were recorded on Monday that you're going to end up seeing during this week. And on Saturday, big bash at six o'clock, get your butt down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York and celebrate with us. So for DNVR Sports, for my guest Julian Valentin, Patrick Lyons, thanks for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. But you know what they say, as good as this show may have been, momentum? Well, it is only as good as tomorrow's
0: podcast. So I will talk to you then.